and thanks for tuning in to the Path 11 Podcast. I am your host, April Hanna. At the Path 11 Podcast, we are here trying to deliver leading-edge research on consciousness, healing, and metaphysics. And just like you, we are trying to answer the big questions about life. Who are we? Why are we here? And what is our purpose? We hope by listening to our podcast, it will make each day you live on Earth a little easier to understand. And now for today's podcast. Today's guest is Julie McDonald. Julie is an ordained spiritual minister, psychic medium, trance medium, and empath who has been connecting and communicating with those in the spirit world since she was a young child. Through years of intensive training and decades of practice experience, Julie has enhanced her natural gifts to serve her mission as a fine-tuned instrument of spirit to deliver insight, messages, and hope to mankind. And today we are going to be talking with Julie about her book, The Evolution of the Spirit of Man. Mankind, the 82nd Regiment of Lightworkers. Welcome, Julie. Thank you so much, April. Great to be here with you. Yeah, so um, before we get into a little bit of your background, I wanted to let you know what drew me to your book, and it was uh, Maladoma Somme, uh, the fact that he wrote the forward to it. He happens to be a teacher of one of my teachers, Jeanette Defoe, and uh, Jeanette has been a tremendous uh, healer, mentor, you know, teacher in my life. And I have gone through so many of the Jagara traditions and what she learned from Maladoma with the different ceremonies, like almost every year. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. So I was just curious to know what your connection with uh, Maladoma was. I'm curious to know what that is too. Um, (laughs) So, so I've met Maladoma uh, through a couple of friends who practice the Dagger tradition as well. And I've been involved extraneously, more or less, at the East Coast Village in Cherry Plains, New York, which is a community that's based on the teachings of of Maladoma and the Dagara people. And I met, I've never been in any of his trainings, but I met Maladoma on a couple of occasions. And he and I just clicked in terms of spiritually and he's been on my radio show that I that I don't have it right now, but he was on my radio show several times. And at one point he wanted to read the book and before it was published. And he said that he wanted to write a an endorsement for it after he started reading it. And then I met with him to get it. And he said, yeah, that's that's not enough. I need to write more than that. He was he was divining on it, throwing his shells, you know, and he said, yeah, no, I need I need to write more. I said, oh, do you you mean it like a forward? He said, yeah, I guess so. So he did. So it's it's this very um, he, he's my brother to me, you know, and I don't it's, it's not even that we've spent that much time together. But but when he's been on my radio show and other times when I've run into him, there's just a very solid spirit connection there, um, which really surprised me a little bit because him being, you know, uh, an elder uh, from Burkina Faso and me being a spiritualist minister, one would think, right, that huh, those are very different. But but they're really not at all. Wow. So I love this synchronistic uh, connection that we have through Maladoma. He was actually the first person that I ever met with that provided a divination for me. Mm. And it was through that divination that I was able to overcome my fear to open up my own uh, business because he said, people are waiting for you. He's like, they're waiting. He goes, there are six people waiting for you to open your doors. What's, what's taking you so long? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He certainly doesn't pull any punches when he's divining. (laughs) 
Yes. So I just want to let our listeners know, even though that's a little bit of a tangent we're going off before we introduce you to the show, it's important because I truly believe in those synchronicities and how we are all webbed together and why we come together and why the people that we choose for our podcast have that special connection. So I wanted to just talk a little bit about that. And the book that I read of his was Of Water and Spirit. So if our yes. listeners are interested in looking him up, uh, it's, he's an amazing, amazing man. So, but let's now talk about you, Julie. And um, let's let's uh, start with kind of where it began. Um, I know that I, I loved in the beginning of, of the book where you were like, gosh, am I writing all this and making it all up? Um, and I, I totally feel like if I had an experience like yourself doing something, I'd be like, am I crazy? Like, am I really getting this information? But um, I also loved your beginning story, too, about your imaginary friends and then how your connection really got stronger when you were working in an inpatient region have with people in recovery. So maybe you can give our listeners just a recap of how your spiritual path evolved to bring you to where you are now. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Every time I, someone asks me that April, I, I learn different things about it, right? Because it's one of those things that's so abstract, right? How do we get to where we are? And so sure. When I was young, um, I certainly saw things, I knew things and growing up in a Catholic household (laughs) at one point, uh, I remember my mother saying to me, look, stop saying these things because I would say, well, something bad's going to happen. And I'm quite sure that I also said when good things were going to happen, but I think we sometimes as a human collective tend to focus on remembering the negative. So I worked really hard at separating myself from the things that I would pick up on or the the spirits that I would see or that because I began to feel like maybe I'm creating something bad, right? So, um, you know, I always tell people Smirnoff (laughs) helped me to forget about those connections. And then Um, When I was about 25 years old, I realized that my drinking was bringing me far away from who I was. And I it was kind of like I had this this hole in my soul. And so I stopped drinking and then my life just changed. You know, I I went back to school. I did become an addiction counselor. And when I was doing groups, I would suddenly know things about people that they hadn't even told us in their charts And I didn't know how I knew it. Everyone just thought I was a brilliant group therapist and I had no idea what I was doing. Right. And uh, and then I started seeing auras, but I didn't know what was happening. I thought my eyesight was going. But I started noticing that when someone wasn't telling the truth, their aura would change. Right. The lights around them would change. And so it kind of freaked me out, you know, and I remember thinking I've got to do something because. I must be losing my mind, as you, you know, as you said. Um, So I reached out to a place, it was Holistic Studies Institute in Albany. And I went not to learn how to do this, but I went so that I wouldn't feel alone. I went so that there was another place where I could feel like, hey, this happens with other people. And of course, as is the case with any spiritual pathway, that was merely the dangling carrot, <laughs> as I like to call it, uh, that I hadn't seen at the time. So I went through three years of training with them um, and became a teacher and then did some other training and went through seminary and all of that. And during that process, when I would sometimes be teaching or having home circles, instead of just giving messages, I would start talking about other things and we started recording it because I didn't remember anything 
that I said. And, uh, and then at one point, a person that was coming to the circles a lot, actually the, the person who helped to create the book, Yves Nezon, um, said, you know, I think this information needs to be in a book. And I thought, you're nuts. There's no way I'm ever going to do that because I don't even know if this is real. And then back in about 2007, um, one day I was sitting there and it was very clear to me that spirit was saying, yeah, no, it's time. You need to do this. You need to put yourself out there like this. I was perfectly okay with being a medium. I was okay with all the other things I was doing, but I didn't want to be one of those crazy people that channeled, right? (laughs) So, uh, well, here I am, one of those crazy people. And You know, it's interesting because when you talk about in the book when I wrote, you know, yeah, did I make this up? I got to be honest. I think that every single time before I do a session and I and I did one recently out in Chicago when I was out there. And right before I thought, yeah, I don't know if this is real or not, because it it, it's so dreamlike to me. And as I think I even said it in the book, what I have to come down to each and every time that I do it or when I question it is the following questions, right? Am I a better person because of this? Well, yes, yes, I am. Does it seem to help others? Is it a positive message? And ultimately, I have to let go of is it real or is it not? And just stick with is it something useful, helpful, loving, and compassionate to the plight of humanity? And each and every time, the answer is a resounding yes. So I, I have to let go of that because even talking to you now, I think, yeah, I don't really know. Right. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, I, I hear you. And I'm pretty fascinated by people um who are channels because I've been having intermittent experiences on and off in my own sessions. And it's really interesting when that information starts to come in, it's almost like your regular brain shuts off. There is like this very coherent stream of words that gets put together in kind of, I don't want to say language, but um, just words that I wouldn't typically use in my normal dialect of talking to people on an everyday basis. And there's almost like no interruption. Right. It's, it's really amazing. And, um, we, I was interviewing somebody this week and I noticed that she was going in and out of channeling, uh, when we were talking about her project and like the messages in those moments that were happening, they were like so succinct. And I could tell that, you know, whatever it is that she is channeling too, like really wanted that message, those certain messages, three or four messages to come out during our interview. It was, it was wild, but she doesn't, she, that's something, um, that she kind of keeps to herself. It's not something that she necessarily has, you know, put out there yet, but it was mm-hmm. very clear to me what was going on right. as I was, um, interviewing her and seeing right. these shifts and changes. So mm-hmm. for people who are new to channeling and maybe don't really understand what it is, maybe they're a little freaked out by it or, you know, who is coming through Julie, maybe you can talk a little bit about how you have come to understand what channeling is the process mm-hmm. for you. And then let's introduce, uh, the 82nd regimen of lightworkers. Sure. Yeah. You know, um, how does it work? I, again, I still don't even really know. I can tell you what I know from my experience and even what this group consciousness has shared with us, which was quite fascinating to me when, when I listened back to the material about it. And that is that, you know, I can speak from my experience about it. And that is that, yeah, as you said, it's 
I, I go into sort of a light trance. I, I know there's a lot of channels out there that can walk around with their eyes open. That's not me. I, I cannot move around. My body moves a lot sitting in the chair, but my eyes are generally closed. So my understanding of this is that what happens is that it's not so much that the spirit takes over the body or anything like that, but that there's a, a, a connection or alignment, right, where this energy moves in closer to me and they access my brain to get the words to transmit the information. So they'll often reference me as the vehicle, right? So that which they're using to to share this information, to share this wisdom that they're bringing forward. Generally speaking, when I'm in that place, um, and by the way, on the way there, it's a wonderful high that I never have to pay consequences for. Um, <laughs> so I'm, it's kind of like I'm sitting out on a cliff and I'm looking over this vast world. Uh, it's mountainous, it's valleys, there's water, there's all of this stuff. And I see myself as Julie sitting there and I'm aware that there's words that are coming out of my mouth. And sometimes I'll even have images. I'll be seeing things. And I know that as I'm seeing things, there's words that I'm not necessarily connecting to that. And I've even sometimes had thoughts like, oh, are they really here? But apparently my voice is still going. And then afterward, I don't recall what was said. I, when I first come out, if I if someone briefs me right away, then I might say, oh, did they talk about trees? I remember seeing a tree. And then they'll say, oh, yeah, they were talking about how the leaves fall off or whatever the version is of it. Um, so, you know, what they've said to me is that there's a connection now where we're sort of linked in together. And that took some time. It took a lot of practice. It took a lot of doing it. And I used to get very dizzy, very nauseous before I would go into trance. Um, but now I don't. Now it's only moments. And apparently it really didn't have to take that long to begin with. But they, they like to tell my secrets. And so they, they told some of the sitters once, like, listen, it doesn't take Julie this long to get connected to us. She just likes that feeling of flying out in the ethers. So you guys need to like just start talking to us within a couple of minutes and we're already there. So, um, yeah, so so how it works exactly, again, I can't really say because my experience of it is so abstract. It's like waking up from a dream. You know how, April, when you get up in the morning, you might remember little bits and pieces of a dream. And as the day goes on, right, you lose it. It's the same thing when the 82nd regime is speaking, you know, through me. Great. Well, thank you. I think that that at least gives us a basis of understanding to try to imagine and picture it. And I would say when they're saying, you guys could just ask us questions right away, when you are in that state of going into your trance and kind of flying over, that's just a tool probably that you use to get focused, to focus your intent, to be able to do the channeling. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Again, it's 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 the way that I, you know, I, I, I visualize this thing when I'm doing it that I that I learned over time to make it faster or perhaps just for my own comfort. And that is that I image myself climbing out of the top of my head through my crown chakra and climbing up a ladder <laughs> so that I'm I'm separating my conscious waking self and going into that state, that more meditational trance-like state to allow 
for the information to come through me without me being in the way and trying to interpret it or even sometimes stop it. Great. Now, you just mentioned the 82nd regime, and that is what your book, The Evolution of the Spirit of Mankind, is about. It is basically, the whole book is pretty much a channeling session that has been done with questions that have been asked to the 82nd regime. You also describe how there's kind of different personalities within that. And I want to make sure I pronounce um, his name right. Is it Yevis? Eve. It's Eve. Uh, Eve. Yeah. Eve. Okay. Mm-hmm. Your friend Eve was the one asking you the questions while you were channeling. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And um, before we kind of get into that too, I was wondering, did you and Eve come up with questions that you wanted to know together before you went into trance to channel? Well, yes. However, we had a very clear sort of syllabus, if you will, that we we basically what we did was we sat down with them separately to what's in the book. And they would say things like, we want to talk about these principles or we want to talk about that. And I think even in the book, in a couple of spots um, toward the end, it's noted when they would say like, okay, the next time we want you to ask us questions around this issue. So it was it was collaborative. So we had a basic skeleton of what they wanted to talk about in each of these sessions. And then we would come up with the idea behind it was what are the questions that people would ask about this? So that was one of the points of Eve being involved. And I have another friend who was in some of the sessions, Patty. Um, So they would come up with, well, what do people want to know about this? So they would create those questions based on that. Okay. And how do you explain who the 82nd regime is to your everyday people? Mm, That's a really good question. Um, So luckily I had their help because I'll tell you, April, one of the things that has come up time and again of feedback of that was people were very uncomfortable with their name. And I'll be honest, I was uncomfortable with it too, but only because it just sounded so weird. I thought, yeah, I'm not, I'm not calling you guys that. So, but of course I, you know, I, I gave in, but the way they've explained it, a lot of people had a, a, an aversion to the word regime in there. So one day in an open session, someone asked, I said, ask that question if you want to know it. So they asked, and basically the group came through saying that one 82nd is the many things it's sort of where they exist uh, it's like some numerical, you know, location of them in the ethers. But they also said that that eight represents the infinity symbol and the two is squared, right? So so there's all of this symbology with it. But basically what they said is they call themselves that as a category that they're in, that they're considered to be in, and that the regime, that a regime is just a group gathered together toward a common purpose, And so they are a group of beings, some who have incarnated, some who have not, who have formed together in the ethers as part of or a sect of what they call the legion of light, which apparently includes a lot of different energies or consciousnesses, uh, separate and, and collective, that try to help us. And some are through direct voice communication. And others are through many different modalities. So their role or their purpose, they say, is to assist us now 
in this current time in moving forward through the challenges and the difficulties in life and, and really reminding us of who we really are, which is really just the same as them, but we're in physical form right now. Great. And so I don't know if you can answer this question or not, but the first, I would say, collective group of consciousness that I had ever been exposed to where somebody was channeling them was through Esther and Jerry Hicks. And they call their collective consciousness group that Esther channels Abraham. Mm-hmm. Are there are these, like, is she channeling Abraham? Is she channeling the 82nd regime? Or are the, are, are there these, um, just different pockets of collective groups of consciousness, uh, you know, bringing messages down to certain people like yourselves that have the ability to challenge, or is it really just one collective group, but maybe the channeler is able to pick up a name, um, and calling it something different? Yeah, April, that's a really good question. And I've wondered the same thing, like, because when when they said, well, we're of the Legion of Light, I thought, huh, you know, and and so I don't I think that ultimately there is just one collective consciousness. Right. So I think that it could be um, different aspects that, you know, I learned early on that just like when we work with our guides or when, when I work in this work, just doing regular psychic or mediumship work, there are particular guides that work with me because of the principle, like attracts like. So I tend to do, because I was a therapist before, I tend to get people that come to me and guides that work with me that are based on emotional issues, emotional healing, those types of things. So my best guess would be that each of us that do this, and we are all able to do it, by the way, but each of us that do this are aligned at a particular frequency and we have a particular personality style that connects more directly with different particles, if you will, or pieces of those parts of that collective consciousness. Yes, that makes total sense to me. That's actually, as you were talking about that, that's what I was kind of forming in my mind, because there are going to be people who are going to resonate with you, your energy, where you're at. There's going to be other people that maybe that uh, resonate with the Abraham and, and mm-hmm. Esther um, group that maybe would not resonate with, with you and vice versa. You know, Correct. so maybe maybe that's what it's all about. It's fascinating. It's so cool. Um, it really is. So I wanted to get into a couple of aspects of the book that I found really interesting and uh, was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about um, the task list that we have as souls kind of coming in um, to the body and what those jobs are to do and how we only maybe complete a certain percentage of, of the task list and connecting that to our oversoul. Mm. I, I thank you. And I love when people ask me these questions because it always humbles me because I think I don't really know. Um, <laughs> they're the ones that <laughs> talked about it. I have no idea. But but I certainly have listened to it enough times and, and read it. You know, I even read this material sometimes and I read it and I think, oh, wow. Huh. 
That's interesting. You know, so so my un, my best understanding and again, keep in mind that they are the ones that have the ultimate knowledge and wisdom of it. And my understanding may or may not be any better than yours when you read it. Right. Because as I'm as I'm going through the material, I'm I'm reading it for the first time, just like you are. So. My understanding of this is that we have let us let us imagine it like a a mobile, like on a on a child's crib uh, when they have the little mobiles that that spin around. So if we're to imagine that the little umbrella top over it is uh, is the oversoul, that which is a higher, much higher part of ourselves, not our higher self, but that part of us that still exists on a large in a larger way out in the ethers or in the other realms, if you will. And from there, there are these little strings that come down. And upon each string is a small other uh, uh, character or, or piece of something. And that so that each one of those strings is one part or aspect of us that is living uh in the here and now. And that could also mean that the the here and now are other here and nows, right? So as Julie, I have my oversoul. And then off of that, there is one person or one being that is me speaking to you right now as Julie. And then somewhere else, there's another aspect of me, perhaps in a different time, in a different place, but that is all more or less happening concurrently. So I may come in as Julie and and when I come in, I may have this list of, well, I'm going to, I'm going to share information with the world through channeling. I'm going to come in and I'm going to help bring healing to people. I'm going to meet up with ABCD people and I'm going to heal these karmic relationships with them. So as Julie, I may come in with that list. Now, as Julie, as the human being, listen, before I come in, I've got, I'm, I'm really excited, right? Because I'm in spirit form. I'm ready to go. But as Julie, in my limited human experience, sometimes the things that happen in life uh, create obstacles or they may create my own wounds or, or what have you that keep me from following that or that distract me from it. And so while I may not complete all of that, there is what the 82nd calls a handoff, right? In other words, there's, there is this part of me that perhaps is doing two of the things that I was going to do, but they weren't really only mine. Those lists come from the greater task list of the oversoul, that arching umbrella, right? So I may not complete it, but it doesn't mean that another me won't complete it in another way, in another world, in another space, or another time. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, but it's such a concept that is like... I know. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Even as I'm telling you, I can see it. I can see it in my mind. And then I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, what? (laughs) Yeah. It's like, I can understand it from like this intellectual level and okay. And here we are and we're over there and, you know, we're consciousness. We're really not in the physical body, you know, detached from the physical body and understand how consciousness can be in different places at once. But it's just like, it's, it's mind boggling, you know? Yeah, it is. 
so I did a fun thing. So a couple things I wanted to tell you. So I had your the physical book. You had sent me the physical book, and I was carrying it around with me all week. Um, and then last night I go to pick it up again. Uh, to read it and it's vanished. It's gone. I have no idea where it went. So I don't know what that was about. And, you know, we have a big snowstorm going on right now. So I didn't have a chance to go back to my office because I'm like, gosh, did I leave it in the office? And I was doing a Reiki training last night. And I remember I only brought my laptop and I didn't, the book was not in my laptop case. So I'm still floored with where the book traveled to. And I'll let you know, I'll email you when I find it. I don't know if yeah, you've got other people's right say anything about this, but I mean, it's weird. So luckily you also sent us the PDF. (laughs) So uh, a fun, a fun thing that I did was I tapped in and just decided that, you know, to talk to the 82nd regimen. And I said, okay, guys, I am going to scroll really fast on my, my Mac here. And I want you to stop it with something that you want Julie to talk about, or what's your message to my audience? And so I did that, right? So I scrolled a couple times and I heard stop. And as I stopped my fingers from scrolling, you know, the pages kept going and it stopped on human sleep, the human Mm. sleep section. I thought that was really interesting. So as I was reading about that, there was a section uh, that the collective had said that humans actually get way too much sleep because there was a question and they were talking about insomnia. And also about um, the question about what about sleeping aids to help people sleep. And I just thought, wow, so this is so cool. One, because I was very playful in how I was going to ask some questions for the interview today. But two, the fact that it landed on that, knowing that sleep is such a huge thing in our culture and everyone is exhausted. Nobody ever feels like they get enough sleep. We're told we should get anywhere from like, what, six and a half to eight and a half hours of sleep. Mm -hmm. Um, There are so many different types of sleeping aids and medications that people are taking to help them to get to sleep and go to sleep. And I think, you know, some of the issues with our sleep is because we are so much in the intellect level and thinking, 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 doing, 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 and so fearful, um, Mm -hmm. that it's really hard for us to get out of our minds and kind of drop into the body. But I thought how interesting that they had said that we actually get way too much. Mm. Well, this may explain why people think I don't get enough. <laughs> so, so, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people that if I get more than five, five and a half hours of sleep, I feel awful, right? I don't feel good. And, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I'm kind of trying to tap into them right now without bringing, I don't bring them in fully without an anchor here. And I don't have an anchor here with me right now, but yeah. sometimes I can kind of tap into them extraneously to see what they're talking about. Cause I'm like, yeah, I don't even remember that part of the book, but, um, so give me just a second here and let's see what, yeah. So, right. This is, this is part of the conditioning. And there was a time when humankind slept in more parcels of time, I'm told, uh, wherein the body does not need the kind of rest that we give it. But you're right that there's all of this. So much of this is about all of the energy being drained all the time. Yes, we're in our minds a lot, but also the human beings on the planet are also being affected 
huh, interesting. They're also being affected very much by the all all of the technology, all of the machinery, all of the so many things. And because they're not no longer in rhythm with nature itself, that it's really taxing on the body. So the body becomes drained because also the other thing with the humans is that they're not refueling themselves. They're not refilling themselves. You may have pockets of people here and there that would do that sort of thing in your meditations and those types of things. However, for the most part, people are so busy being distracted by the noises of the world that they do not listen anymore to their bodies. You do not listen to their bodies about proper rest. They do not listen to their bodies about proper nutrition and what it needs and what it does not need. And so the body and the mind is quite polluted by uh, many of these different uh, types of pollution, if you will. Uh, and it's, it's important for people to begin to go back to that way of really listening, because the body shuts down in sleep so much so that people oversleep, and then that makes them more tired. That drags them down. The other important part of this is that when you are sleeping, there's very important work that is being done. But many of you do not remember what you have participated in or produced or experienced or learned during your sleep time for the spirit does not rest. The spirit mm. goes on and continues to be uh, helpful or to, to be a student during this sleep time or this dream time, uh, as some of you may call it. So, so it's, it's quite a, a uh, difficult thing to get human beings to change that pattern because they're so busy chasing, chasing, chasing. And so many are so afraid of sitting still long enough <laughs> because of the things that begin to rise up inside of them. Do you understand? Yes, yes, I do. And that last part, I think, is so important. And I would really want our listeners to take that message and to really do a little bit of a self-inventory for themselves. You know, what happens when you do slow down? What happens when you just sit, relax, or have to be with yourself? Um, you know, I've had so many of my clients say, oh, my God, I get so bored. I don't know what to do with myself mm -hmm. when I'm not doing something. Mm -hmm. And you're right, you know, because it is that is in that space when things begin to rise up. Right. And we are with ourselves and we are with some of those thoughts. And if we're not being distracted by TV, by our cell phones, by Facebook, by the Internet, and we are mm -hmm. just in relationship with ourselves. Yeah, there are a lot, there's a lot of work that could be done right there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, when I even with students, when, you know, they're learning about meditation and listen, let me tell you, when I first started meditating, I could do five minutes. Right. It was like five minutes. I'll stare at a candle. That's all I can sit for. But I realized over time that the more that we have stuff built up in us, people will just say, well, I can't sit still. Well, I'm restless. And and I just say, sit anyway, sit anyway, because we don't always even know what's coming up. Right. So it just comes up in this anxious. I got to do something type of feeling. But when we sit through that, eventually things start to rise. I'll tell you, April, I had to spend a good two years crying when I meditated. I didn't even know why I was crying, but <laughs> tears would just be coming out. 
And, and I didn't even know why I needed, why I needed to cry, but it was a cleansing. It was a clearing of all of that toxicity and all of those fears and all of those things that had been stored in me for so many years. Now, how do you work uh, one-on-one with people and using this ability to channel, um, you know, what are you doing in your, in your world where people can make an appointment with you? Um, you know, do you do readings? Are you doing any teachings of this or do people just come to you and work with you one-on-one? Yeah, I, so, so when I work with the 82nd, um, that's more of a, a group kind of a thing. I don't work one-on-one with people with the 82nd because they're here more for, uh, helping in the bigger scheme of things. So I do work as a psychic medium, um, and I do private practice. So I do readings, phone, um, Skype readings, and then there's different times I'll go to different places and I'll do a day or two of, of readings back to back in person. Um, I, uh, I also do teach. And so sometimes I, I travel to do that. And sometimes I don't. Sometimes I do it more locally. I've, I've taught in East Greenbush and Albany and Northampton and, and places like that all along the East Coast. Um, and I've gone out to the Midwest and I've taught at Lilydale and at Camp Chesterfield and places such as that. I also have a mentoring program for people who are uh, mediums that want to focus their energy more, or even people who are just looking for spiritual mentoring. And that's a six month program where people set their goals and I work with them individually and within the context of a group that we do on video to help them move toward their goals, to help them notice. So some of these fears that we're talking about, April, are the things that come up in meditation. It's to be able to walk hand in hand with them. Because one of the things that I noticed when I was learning how to open up more to spirit was I had a whole lot of crap I had to work on. And I had a whole lot of crap and fears that were in my way that kept me from being able to be fully available to spirit and to the sitter or the person that I was working with. And so I devised a program to help people with that. Um, What else do I do? I don't know. I do, I do, yeah, workshops, classes, um, the channeling sessions, and then I do individual sessions uh, with people. And hopefully one day I'll get back to my show, but I just haven't had time lately. <laughs> yeah. And where are you actually located for our listeners to know? I am in the Berkshire Mountains of Massachusetts in the Pittsfield area. Um, but again, I do I do kind of travel around uh, locally and, and further as well. So I have clients um, basically across the globe. I have clients in Australia. I have clients in Scotland and, you know, and then across the States as well. Awesome. And for those of you who would like to check out Julie's website, her website is mediumjuliemcdonald.com, M-A-C-D-O-N-A-L-D. Well, it was a pleasure, Julie, and I am sure we're probably going to be working with each other again. Um, And if you have any other books that come out, we would love to have you back on the show. But thank you so much for introducing me and our listeners to the 82nd Regiment of Lightworkers. Oh, April, you're so welcome. And thank you for the opportunity to let us share this information with you. And and I will be in touch. We are working on the second book um, as we speak. So that I hope will be will be out soon. All right. Perfect. Perfect. (laughs) Excellent timing then. All right, Julie, thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. 
If you want more information about our films, visit our website, path11productions.com, to purchase DVDs or to rent and stream each film. You can also find our trilogy of films on iTunes, Amazon Prime, and Gaia.com. You can still use our smartphone app for both Android and iPhones. Just search for Path 11 in the Google Play App Store, or if on an iPhone, look for Path 11 in the iOS App Store. Catch you next time.